friends, this is Scott Pauley, and I'm thrilled you've joined us for the Weekend Pulpit. From time to time, it's my privilege to share a Bible message that God has used to affect my life in a unique way. And today's message from God's Word is from a guest preacher and someone that is very special to me. I hope you'll get your Bible and follow along as we listen for the Lord to speak to our hearts. Our story today, Luke chapter 15, comes out of the life of the Lord Jesus. And it's a very familiar one. It's known as the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. And it's probably familiar to most of us today, but let's read it with fresh eyes. Let's read it afresh and anew. Let's ask God to speak to us. And I want to take this story at a little different angle today, perhaps, than it most often is applied but I think a very important application for us today. Beginning in verse number 11 of, of Luke 15, the Bible says, And he, Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself... He said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. 
And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want to preach this morning on this thought. The heart of a faithful father. The heart of a faithful father. Heavenly Father, we thank you in this moment for your faithfulness. Lord, you love us. We don't understand why you love us like you do, but we thank you that you do. And Father, we love you today. We need to hear from you. So Lord, speak to every heart. God, I pray you'll still our hearts and minds for just a few minutes. Help us to sit at thy feet. Lord, do a special work in every heart today, including mine. Lord, may we not leave here the same. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A powerful story. The prodigal son. Understanding the context of this story will help us by way of introduction to see what the story is all about. It's very important to understand what Jesus is referring to in the story of the prodigal son and its interpretation. To understand that, you've got to look back at the beginning of the chapter. So look back with me by way of Bible study today. I, I, I'm a Bible student. I hope you're a Bible student today. But look in chapter 15, beginning in verse number 1. And this is the context of the story. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Now, how many of you sinners out there are glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners? And this sinner right here that's saved by grace, I'm thankful for that too. And the sinners and the publicans, they came to Jesus. And that was a good thing. He was changing their lives. He was forgiving their sins. But look at verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes, these were the pious religious leaders and rulers of the day. They murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So they're being critical of this. Why is Jesus with these lowly sinners, these lowly people? They didn't understand the big picture. They didn't see that Jesus had come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then look at verse 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, So, the parable of the prodigal son is the third part of one parable that Jesus told in Luke 15. It's three parts. The first part is the story of the lost sheep. And that's found there in verses 4 through 7. Then the second part of the parable is about the lost coin. And the lost coin is found in same chapter, verses 8 through 10. And then the third part of the story is the story of the lost son, which is our story today, in verses 11 through 32. So what Jesus is doing here is he's really rebuking the Pharisees. And in the story of the prodigal son, the, the son that left home and went out and wasted his substance and riotous living and, and, and was with harlots and wickedness and all of that and came to himself and finally came back home to the father, he was a picture of the sinners and the publicans that are mentioned in verse 1 that are coming back to God. They're getting right with God. They're getting saved and so, and so on. And guess who that older brother in our story represents? The pious one, right? The arrogant one. 
The one who was self-absorbed, really self-focused. Do you see how many times he says, I and me and my and my friends and me? He's self-focused. He's proud. He's full of pride. He's not happy that his younger brother has come home. He's a picture of the Pharisees, the pious, pharisaical spirit that they had. And so we're warned of that. But there's something bigger going on in these three stories, all right? So there's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and there's the lost son. Let's say them together, you ready? The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now, if you study them out real careful, those three stories, and we don't have time to look at all of them in depth today, but you can do your own Bible study on it. You'll find that what Jesus is doing here is he's revealing the heart of God in these three stories. Now, how many of you remember God's a trinity, right? There's three persons in the Godhead. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And these three parts to this parable are all revealing a, the, the, the heart of the, each person of the Godhead. Now, when he ta- tells the story of the lost sheep and the good shepherd, right, that goes and gets the, the, the lost sheep, that is a picture or that is showing the heart of God the Son. How many of you are thankful Jesus is the good shepherd? He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. So the lost sheep, that part of the parable, that shows the heart of God the Son. Well, the lost coin, we find a a, a woman there, a female there, and there's a light. There's a light that comes that helps find the lost coin. That's a picture of God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God. He brings light to bring the lost ones to to the Savior. So the lost coin's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit or the heart of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? The story of the lost son. Our story today. The parable of the prodigal son. Jesus told that to pull back the veil and reveal the heart of God the Father. So we're seeing the greatest father of all fathers. God our Father. We're seeing his heart in this story. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So there's lots of earthly things going on in the story and lots of things we can learn just in a practical way. But don't miss the big picture. We're looking at the heart of God today. Aren't you glad God loves sinners? Aren't you glad that God welcomes us with open arms when we come back to Him? What a God we serve today. So let's look at the story, all right? Number one, first of all, we find the responsibilities of the Father. Now, I find it interesting in this story, in verse number 11, the Bible says that a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. So there was a portion of goods. Now, we, we, we can see very clearly in the story that this father was very wealthy. He owned land and property, and even in the time of famine that came, he had bread, he had servants, he had cattle, he had a fatted calf, and he had great wealth. Now, we don't know how he got that wealth. We do know this. This father took care of his family. He met the needs physically of his family. And may I say this, just in a practical way, fathers today, it is our job to provide for our home physically, spiritually, emotionally. We're the provider. The Bible says... In 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own 
and especially those for his own house. He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And I'm thankful for the men in this room that are providers for their family and providers for their home. And that's a blessed thing. But not only does the father have the responsibility to provide for his, his family, but number two, he has a responsibility to train his children and his family and to lead them in the things of God. Now, this man, I believe, did that. Uh, of course, it's a, it's a parable. It's a story that Jesus told. But there's some hints in here. Now, I want you to notice in the conversation with the older brother later in the story, if you look down at verse 29 or verse 28, first of all, when the older brother was angry and bitter and jealous and so on, notice that it says in verse 28 that the father came out and entreated him. Now, what that means is that he was pleading with him. He was, he was actually correcting him. Later on, he rebukes him, doesn't he? He corrects him and he says, Hey, son, this is a good thing. Uh, your brother, my son, who is dead, is alive. He was lost. He is found. So he's, he's, tra he's training him. He's teaching him. Then the older brother himself says something in verse 29 that teaches us about this father. He says in the middle of verse 29... Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Now what that tells me is that this father had some rules. He had some commandments, right? He had some, some rules in his home. He was a man who had trained his sons. He had guided them. And I think that's so important. Men today need to lead up and train up their children and lead their wives and lead their homes. Men, men today, Christian men need to fill that void that's been left. Oh, a recent uh, poll, I think it was done by NBC, a recent poll discovered that by the time the average child, listen to this, is six years old in America, he or she will have spent more time on social media or watching TV than they will have spent talking with their fathers their entire life by the age of six. A recent study indicates that the average dad spends on average 38 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with his children. Now that, that should alarm us, that should startle us. Dad, listen, to the world you might be one person, but to your child you might just be the world. We need to spend time with our children, listening to them, investing in them, training them. Father, absence is one of the greatest causes for the mess that America is in today. Did you hear what I just said? Father absence, the absence of fathers, is, is one of the main contributing factors. And, and hey, that's not just a Baptist preacher saying that. That's what secular studies are saying today. The absence of the father in the lives of children has led to so much of the crime and so much of the issues that we're having in our society today. Oh, listen, we need daddies to lead, dads to stand up and take their stand for God. The poet wrote, walk a little slower, daddy said a little child so small. I'm following in your footsteps and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I want to be. Then I will have a little child who want to follow me and I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. Today, as I preach, I'm wearing my dad's shoes today, a pair of shoes that he left for me. And you know what? I want to tell you something about my dad. My dad trained me in the Lord, not only in word, but in deed. 
He showed me how to live for God. He lived his Christian walk. I'm wearing his shoes today. Can I tell you something? My dad never expected me to fill his shoes. Though physically I'm filling his shoes today, he never expected me or put pressure on me to fill his shoes. He used to say to me, Tommy, you find God's will for your life and do it. As a matter of fact, he would often say to me, and my mom will remember this well, he would often say, he would say, Tommy, I want you to be more successful and more blessed than I've ever been. I want you to go further for God than I've ever gone. He never wanted me to fill his shoes. And by the way, I could never fill his shoes. I'm not called to fill his shoes. But I do want to follow his example. As he followed Christ, I follow him as he followed Christ. Listen, I'm wearing my grandfather's cufflinks today. <laughs> I just wanted to honor them today. I got my grandfather's cufflinks on. I got my dad's shoes on today. I'm just a little emotional today, amen, getting dressed. But you know what? Listen, I'm not called to be my dad or my grandfather, but I'm thankful for the testimony they left me, the training they put in my life. You know what? I bear the marks of their influence on my life today. I really do. And I thank God for them. And we need more men to do that. And mothers and, and leaders of all kinds. Oh, may God help us to fulfill the responsibilities uh, as this father did. Not only of providing for the family, but training and guiding into the will of God and the word of God. Number two. Notice with me today the realities of the father. The responsibilities, yes. But notice the realities of this father's life. The reality was that he was heartbroken. The reality in this father's life was that when that younger son looked at him with rebellion in his heart and said, Father, give me my inheritance. And that father knew that that boy was going to go off the wrong direction. That broke his heart, no doubt about it. The fact that he waited and looked down that road and when he saw him, he ran to him. The fact that he had a ring and a coat and a fatted calf ready shows that his heart was broken. But you know what? Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Our children don't always follow the plan that we want them to follow, but we're always going to love them. This father had one son that stayed home and one son that left. How can you explain that? You know, children are going to grow up and they're going to decide. They must decide for themselves whether or not they'll serve God. If you've been a parent for any length of time, you know this. You can't force your child to follow God. You can't force your child to be saved. You can't force your child to choose God's will for their life. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can get on your knees and pray for them. Power of prayer. You can get off your knees from prayer and you can walk and you can live a life that is clean and pure and right and you can set an example for them. But the reality is that sometimes heartache comes. I'm preaching today to a crowd this size, hundreds and hundreds of people here today. No doubt there are heartaches and heartbreaks all over this room. Brother Tony shared something that he and Jenny went through, that heartache, and how God was so faithful through it. Others in this room, you have a story to tell. You could tell a story. The reality is the difficulties come. Struggles come. Pain comes. But through it all, God remains faithful. Amen. That's the reality of life today. But then I see number three, the response of the father. So his responsibilities, his reality, but then his response. Notice when the son finally came to himself in verse 17, and I wish I had more time to preach about that boy that was in the world. I would love to park a little bit and preach on him. But when he came to himself in verse 17, he came back home. 
Notice the response of the father. How did this father respond? First of all, to a son rebelling and leaving home and going off into wickedness. And then how did he respond to his son coming back home? Well, first of all, how did he respond to the rebellion of the son? I want to say this. Write this down in your notes somewhere if you don't mind. Number one, he didn't sell the farm. Amen. He didn't give up. When his, when his younger son didn't follow the right path, he didn't throw his hands up and say, well, I guess all that training didn't work. I guess, you know, I'm just a failure. I'm going to sell the farm and go do something else. I'm thankful that when the son got right with God and went back home, he found the same farm that he had left. The same standards, the same rules, the same blessing. And by the way, isn't it interesting? Listen, that young boy, and you young people, listen to me today. Hey, you teenagers, you children, you young adults, listen to me today. Listen, hey, you better learn from that prodigal son. He said, he said, Dad, give me all the money. Give me all the money I'm going to get. And he left out to go to the world to find what he thought he needed. He ran after women. His brother talked about harlots. He went after women in a wild lifestyle, and he spent all his money, and he gained all those friends. And you know what? When the money ran out, all the friends were gone. And all the wealth was gone and all the, all the fun and excitement was gone. And guess what? Guess what he said there in the hog pen? I'm, I wasn't going to preach the prodigal son, but now I am. And he said, he's, he's in the hog pen and you know what he wants? He wakes up one day and you know what he wants? He wants his daddy back. He wants his daddy's bread back. Not the money bread, the bread bread. He says the servants back home have bread to eat. He missed the bread. I think he missed the smell of the bread. He missed the bread, didn't he? He missed the companionship of the father. He missed home. You know what he found out? Hey, you know what he found out? Everything that he launched out to find, he had it at home all the while. And, and look, some of you young people think, you think you've got to go follow the world. You've got to go chase the world. You've got to go make money. You've got to get fame. Listen, everything you need is right at home. It's right with God. It's right in what God has given you right there. Find contentment where God has put you. Don't live jumping from one thing to the next thing to the next thing looking for peace. Find it in God. Find it in Jesus Christ. And so the response of the father was, number one, he didn't sell the farm. He didn't compromise. He didn't change. He was consistent. And parents, let me help you with something today. When your children don't do right or rebel or when something doesn't go the way you plan, don't give up on God. Keep standing. That father stood. He didn't change. He didn't say, well, that didn't work. I'm just going to go change my whole lifestyle. No, just be consistent. They'll come back home. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. They can't depart from that truth you put in them. So stay faithful. Don't change, parents. Stay true to God. Stay true to his word. Okay, and then what else? I noticed this response. He maintained a steadfast hope that his son would come back home. I believe, let me show you something in the story. Go back to Luke 15 and notice what the Bible says in verse 20. And he, the prodigal son, arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, in my mind's eye, I have pictured this many times. I've pictured the farm. I've pictured the prodigal son leaving home and going down this old dusty path trail that left the farm. And I pictured him coming back. 
And in my mind, I can see a long road, maybe over a little hill. And the Bible says that when the prodigal son was coming back home, that his father saw him when he was a great way off and ran to him. You know what? Here's what I believe. I believe that father got up every day and looked down that road and said, maybe today's the day he'll come home. He waited every day for him like that. And finally the day came. So what that shows me is that this father had a steadfast hope that his boy would come back to God, come back home. Can I encourage some of you today? Some of you may have a child that's wayward, or maybe there's a different application in this that, you're, that the Holy Spirit's making in your life. But can I tell you this? Don't give up on them. Don't give up on anybody. Lester Roloff used to say, we don't give up on anybody until they've been dead for four days. Because of Lazarus <laughs> was raised from the dead after four days. But don't give up on them. Keep praying. Now, look, you got to know where the space is. You got to know where your lines are. Look, can I say this? Let me ask you this. Did the father go to the hog pen and pull him out? No. Now, there may be times to do that. Don't get me wrong. But he didn't go to the hog pen and pull him out. He was led of God to let his son hit rock bottom. Sometimes they got to hit rock bottom, don't they? To finally look up. But he let, him, he let him hit rock bottom. That was how God led him. But he waited with steadfast hope and open arms. And parents, can I tell you, and everybody, wait for the wayward ones with steadfast hope and open arms. When somebody wants to repent and get right with God, we should welcome them with open arms. That's a great lesson in this story today. So the response, he trusted God to convict the heart of his son and bring him back. He trusted and he had hope that that would happen. He didn't sell the farm. He was consistent. Number four, the rejoicing of the father. In verses 22 through 24, we find this rejoicing. We find the father saying, bring the best robe, verse 22. Put it on him and a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. You know what I love about this? This is the heart of God. Did you know the heart of God rejoices when sinners get saved? When, when wayward ones come home? God rejoices. Look back earlier in the chapter. Look at chapter 15, verse 10. In the story of the lost coin, it says here in verse 10, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, Jesus said that. That's, that's very, that's, that's a powerful verse. Jesus, if, any, if anyone would know the truth of this, that means that when somebody gets saved, I don't know how it happens, but somehow in heaven, there's an announcement made. So-and-so just got saved. A sinner just came to repentance. And the angels of God around the throne start rejoicing. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? That's the heart of God. Nothing should make us rejoice more than when sinners get saved. Boy, we had some children get saved this last week in our day camp here at the church. And the first week of camp, we had some souls saved. And God's already bringing fruit out of that. I rejoice in that. My daughter, Victoria, sent me a text that she got to lead somebody to the Lord this week. I said, praise God. You know why? Because the angels of heaven rejoice over things like that. And so should we. So the rejoicing of the father, fathers, mothers, when your children do right, rejoice. You know, oftentimes we're quick to correct the wrong, to punish the evil. And we should be, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times we're not just as quick to rejoice and celebrate 
the obedience and the victory. There's a lot of no's in the Christian life. My grandmother, my mom's mother used to say, we need to find those yeses. <laughs> There's lots of good yeses. Because when a child does right, they need to be rewarded. There needs to be a rejoicing, a celebrating of what's right and good. That's the story here. And then lastly, the reflection. The reflection of the Father. This Father reflected the Heavenly Father. He lived and acted in a way that Jesus used this story to be a, a symbol of the love of God the Father. As the Father in the story is faithful, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. I've not always been faithful to my Heavenly Father, but He's always been faithful to me. I wish I didn't have to say this today, but I have failed Him more times than I would want to admit. But can I tell you something? He's never failed me one time. He has faithfully watched down the road with open arms, ready to receive. He's a faithful God, and we can trust Him. We can trust Him. There was a group of botanists, German botanists, traveling to the Swiss Alps, and they were studying and examining flowers and different growths and greenery and so on. And they were looking down into this, this particular cavern. It was like a cliff down, and they saw a beautiful, rare flower. And they could see it with their binoculars, and they so wanted to get a sample of it, to study it. It was so important for their study, but there's no way to get down that cliff. And all they could do was look at it. And so one of them got an idea, and they looked over, and there was a little boy, a young, a young man from the nearby village there in the Swiss Alps. And they had a long rope. And they looked at the boy, and they said, Son, would you be willing, would you let us... Wrap this rope around your waist. We'll tie it in a real good knots. And would you be willing to let us lower you down the side of the mountain several feet, several, maybe a hundred feet, and get a sample of that flyer and we'll pull you back up. We'll make sure our strongest men will do it. And the little boy looked at those men, those botanists, and he turned around and he ran back to the village. <laughs> Smart boy. I'd have done the same thing. And they thought, well, that didn't work. <laughs> We blew that one. But a few minutes later, he came back. And behind him was this big, burly, powerful-looking man. And the boy said, all right, I'll do it. I'll go down there and get that flyer for you on one condition. My dad has to hold the rope. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? No matter what God calls us to do, no matter where God calls us to go, no matter what God places upon us to endure, you know what I'm glad for? God holds the rope. And I'll go if he holds the rope. We can go through anything. We can go anywhere if God holds the rope. You know why? Because he's faithful to hold the rope. We can trust him. Can I say this today? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you'll never know the love of God the Father unless you come through God the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Th this story is often called the story of two sons. The story of two sons. It's actually the story of three sons. Right? It's the son that left home, the son that stayed home, and the son who's telling the story who's going to die on the cross so the other two sons could be forgiven and saved. The Son of God died on the cross for our sins so that we could come to this father that we're studying today. I heard a story about a, a father and his little boy. 
They were driving through the countryside in, a, in, a, in their pickup truck, and the windows were down. And all of a sudden, a bumblebee flew into the cab of the truck. Well, the boy panicked because, you see, this particular boy was allergic to bees. If he would have gotten stung by that bee, it could have been deathly. He had been stung before and had to go to the hospital. He was, he was frightfully afraid of, of any bees. And this bumblebee flew into the bed of the truck, and he was screaming and yelling. And the father, very calmly, reached over and grabbed the bee like this in his hand. And after a few seconds, the father let it go. And the bee kept flying around in the cab of the, of the, of the truck. And the little boy was screaming, oh, no, it's going to sting me, it's going to sting me. And the father said, son, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. And he's, no, dad, I'm allergic. I can die. I don't want to go to the hospital again. You know, he's screaming. And, and the father looked at the son and he said, son, look at my hand. And he showed him that the stinger of the bumblebee was in his hand. He said, son, you're safe because I took the sting for you. The stinger's gone. Oh, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say for us? The Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. You know, I'm thankful for today. My Savior, Jesus, he took the sting. He took the sting for us at the cross, and we have no fear. We have life in him. If you've never come to Jesus, come today. Be saved today. And if you are saved, be the father, be the mother, be the Christian that God has called us to be. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you today for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Lord God, you've been so good to us, and we see your heart in this story of the prodigal son. We see the heart of the father in this third part of the parable. Thank you for loving us. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and making it possible for us to go to heaven when we die. Father, lead us now. Help us to be the men and women and the young people you've saved us to be. Help us to know your will and your word and to do it and to be obedient to you. Bless this message and apply it to every heart as needed. In Jesus' name. There's nothing like the preaching of God's Word to bring comfort and conviction at the same time. I wonder, what will you do with what you've heard today? We would love to hear from you and pray with you. You may contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. That's enjoyingthejourney.org. I hope you'll be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church wherever you are this Lord's Day. And then join us as we continue our devotional study of the Word of God on enjoying the journey in the new week. May God bless you. Thank you for listening.